When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Field, that one stalled to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote. And I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for another ceremony. No, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in. Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Of course, we are brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, don't forget to go check it out. Blueapron.com backslash Red Sox beat. You'll get your first three meals for free. And, of course, if you uh, get free shipping as well, check out the menu. It's a great deal, so take advantage of that, of course. And we thank them for joining us as, as our show sponsor. Um, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is, of course, Red Sox Beat Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, iTunes. If you're on iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe. Us, share the word, spread the wealth. I know it's the off season, but we're still going to be here for you, chugging along. Um, this week, myself and Lauren Campbell here. No Jess Thomas. He's at the Celtics game. Good for him. Good for him. Enjoying the crap Celtics game that he's at right now. Um, but exciting news for you, Lauren. Baseball aside, you're you're buying a house. Yeah, we are currently renting to own, so we are moved in. Officially, all weekend we've been doing it since middle of last week, but now we are officially in, and holy moly. It sucks, right? It's pretty it's stressful. Awful. Oh, my God. It's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. It's my, it's Everyone thinks, oh, you bought a house. No, I bought a house. It's a bad thing. <laughs> the beginning of it's a bad thing. After that, you're fine, but moving everything in, it's terrible. Yeah, it's the worst, but it's done now, so the, the hard part's over, so now we can just But you have a 70-inch TV, which you told me, which is crazy. Yep. 70-inch TV. I'm watching the Celtics on it as we speak, and I cannot wait to watch some Red Sox baseball on it next season. You can't wait to watch Clay Buckholz on that thing. Just admit it. You can't watch to see Clay Buckholz's greasy hair up on your face in that 70 inches of gloriness. Oh, it's going to be so greasy. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that, of course, um, as the, the show goes on here. Uh, a na- format announcement, I guess we can call it, Lauren. Um, throughout the offseason, we'll be here every week. Like we are, we don't want to break up the show by any means, but we're going to dial it back a little bit. We're going to do half hour, 40 minute shows during the off season because, guys, there's not much to talk about in the off season. Um, we don't want to make this too struggle of a show to get to an hour. So we're going to do half hour shows 
throughout the offseason, which is exciting. We'll get you everything you need to know and get out of here. But uh, we'll be back to full swing hour shows once spring training comes along. And I'm sure Lauren has the countdown. Lauren, what is it? 103 days. There it is. I, knew I, could, I didn't even ask if you had that. I was just banking on you having that. Um, yep, sure I do. knew you would. Um, but before we get, because there is some Red Sox stuff to actually talk about, Lauren. So we'll get to that. Um, but we have to talk about this World Series because it's one of the better World Series I've seen in recent history. Um, obviously, for the Cubs fan, it's the best World Series they've seen since 1908. But that being said, the Cubbies, they're World Series champs. It's weird. It is weird. It's And what a series like it was absolutely everything you wanted and everything you needed in a series and i think it's it was the most watched baseball game or sporting event in for i forget like the actual stat but it was some crazy like how many people were actually watching it and that's the kind of game seven you want i mean you know you have andrew miller or chapman you have cleveland who was up three one looked like they were going to take it all but and we talked about it last week that the Cubs just kind of need like a wake up call or something where yep. they're on the brink of elimination. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, we can win these games. And that's exactly what they did. I want to ask you this, Lauren, because I've heard this talked about since the Cubs did win and, and the parade was obviously awesome. And it was a great sight to see. But did the, did the Cubs win this or did the Indians choke away a 3-1 lead? And I have my opinion on it, but I'm curious what you think, because obviously you're, you, you were for the Cubs, you picked the Cubs in seven, you stuck to it, good on you, because they did it, but, <laughs> but do you think the Cubs earned it, or, I mean, obviously they earned it, they won, they're the best team in baseball all year, but do you think they won the series, or do you think the Cubs, the, the Indians really did choke it away, being up 3-1? You know, I can, I can definitely see it both ways, because, you know, as you said, they, the Indians were up 3-1, they were one win away, and but there's something about the Cubs where they just can't quit and their <laughs> offense is insane. And we saw that in game seven and we saw the Indians fight back just like that. But I mean, when you're up three, one, you should put it away just, but I mean, we've seen the Yankees in Oh four when they were up three Oh, so don't count the socks out yet. Am I right, Lauren? Oh, absolutely. You never count the socks out. Don't cut them out right now. PD in game five, Schilling game six, and who knows what happens in game seven. Am I right? Exactly. And it's that's I mean that's the beauty of playoff baseball. Yep. I mean any anything can happen, but either way I can definitely see it. But I do think the Cubs earned it. Um, they like I said they were the best team in baseball all year, and they just really fought to the end. And even in Game Seven when Chapman blew the game, blew the lead, it they still they never gave up. There was a rain delay. There was everything that this game could have had, and the Cubs just did not go away. No, they didn't. Um... And the biggest thing that impressed me, and I think you kind of saw it coming only in the sense of if the Cubs, because the one Cubs won game five, then you saw them have two studs come up to pitch. You had Kendricks in game six, it was, or was he game seven? Kendricks I, was game seven. Hendrick, who pitched game six? I'm blanking. I don't know why. It feels like it was so long ago now. I'll go look. Because my point is, you have, like if you got, if the Cubs got through... Game five, you you had favorable matchups all the way through, um, pitching wise because their pitching was so good um, that I think that that's where they had the edge. They were able to pull through with that, and they were able to utilize that pitching. The Indians were had to throw Kluber three times to get through that series because of the depth they didn't have because of those injuries. So look, I don't think the Indians are going anywhere by any means. Um, it was oh dummy, it was Arietta. Of course it was. Um, oh, duh. <laughs> yeah, it was Arietta and then um, Kendricks. And you give Arietta the ball in game six, you're most likely winning that game, and they did. And then Kendricks, phenomenal in game seven. Um, 
until Joe Matt pulled him out in like the fourth inning. Um, you put, you give me those two starters against what the Indians had, especially Kluber in a game seven where it's this third start in a seven-game series. That's a lot to ask of a guy. Um, so I'm not really shocked that it happened. I, I, I mean, obviously I wanted the Indians to win. Um, let me ask you this because I just kind of brought it, I hinted at it a little bit. Obviously it worked out, they won, but why? the Cubs were up 5-1 when they took Kendricks out in the fourth inning to go to Leicester or the fifth inning to go to Leicester. There was no need for that. There was no need to do that. I, I like Joe Madden as a manager. I'm not here to trash talk the guy because I think overall he is a good manager, but he almost managed them out of a World Series. Yeah, I didn't really think that made a whole lot of sense. Um, and I know that throughout the, the whole series, pitchers were being pulled pretty early and earlier than we're used to. Um, his no pitch one went past the sixth inning, right? No, and it was just, it was weird to me because, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't see a need for it, and I know when you bring in Lester in from the bullpen, it looks like it's going to be solid to set him up for Chapman, which, yeah, it did look solid until Chapman blew the game away, but I don't, and same thing, I love Joe Madden, have a lot of respect for him, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but I really thought that was, like, a huge questionable decision, because I'm like, I was I was listening to the game, because we were moving that night, so I was listening to the game on my phone, I was like, what do you mean you're t- taking him out now, like, this and it, I don't know if it was more frustrating, like, listening to the fact that he's getting taken out and not being able to watch it or just, like, knowing that he's not on the mound anymore. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is going to be the reason the Cubs don't win. That's a, as soon as it happened, that was my thought, too. I was like, this is going to be the moment they play in the montage of the curse of the Billy Goat of why they didn't win. Like, this is going to be the Pedro Martinez Grady Little moment of this team because there was no need to pull him out. If he didn't pull them out, if he didn't pull Kendricks out, they would have won that game probably 5-1. to one. Because he was dealing. They couldn't figure him out. That was the biggest th- thank you the Indians could have gotten was, here you go. Okay, we don't you, – oh, you're not hitting Kendricks well? Okay, we'll pull him out. That's fine. Yeah, and the Cubs figured out uh, Kluber really quick, and they got to him early and often. And like I said, the Indians couldn't figure out Kendricks. Um, so I don't understand why he – I still don't understand why, like, even now, even though the Cubs have won, I don't understand why it happened. It was very systematic, and it's obviously one of those decisions, Lauren, where if they lost, if they – because they almost did. If they lost, that would have been that would have been a big talking point in Chicago. You know, that would have been a big talking point around the country. Why did Joe Madden make that decision? They were up 5-1, blah, blah, blah. And then a rain delay happened later in the game when all signs were pointing to the Indians coming back. Rajay Davis, of all people, hits a two-run homer to tie the game up, who guy was hitting like 150 in the series before that. And then he, he puts a two-run bomb into the seats. And then out of nowhere, a 15-minute rain delay comes in. It's like the ghost of who knows who from the Chicago past comes in and throws a rain delay in there for 15 minutes to, to throw the Indians off their whack. And then the Cubs utilize that to their advantage. But such a weird rain delay. It really was because it really felt like it came out of nowhere. Like I said, I was listening to the game and all of a sudden, like, oh, tarps going, going on the field. I'm like, what? Why? I don't. I didn't even realize there was going to be rain in the forecast, and it was it was quick. It was painless. But I'm thinking when I heard rain delay, I was like, oh, this is going to be forever. Yeah, and it sounded like it was going to be too. It was pretty quick. Like it sounded like it was going to be a half hour, forty five minutes, and it ended up being like fifteen. Um, and 
apparently Jason Hayward said the right things, and I don't, I don't I hate that stupid thing. Um, I don't buy that. Like, what, what do you think the Indians were doing? Were just sitting on their thumbs, not talking? Like, obviously, both teams had player meetings. Um, and if the Indians won, you know, someone would have came out and said something. You know, we talked in the locker room and we did well. I think it, I think it's being overplayed because of the Cubs. Um, I don't know what you think, Warren, but I think that Jason Hayward in the rain delay kind of meeting, yeah, he's a veteran, but he's also not really that good. Um, and I think he's just being overplayed because they won. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because remember, I believe it was the ALCS in 2013 when the Red Sox had that, or maybe it was even the World Series, but they had that team meeting right in the in the dugout. And Ortiz was yelling at him. kind of leading it, yeah. Yeah. He was leading it, so that kind of made me think of that, but at, least at he the did same it, time, At least Ortiz did it in the dugout, though. Like, <laughs> Right, and he did it, and you know, like you said, David Ortiz is really, really good. As and, and Not that Hayward isn't awful, but... So he's I the think, fast first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, but I agree that it was it's it was being overplayed because they won, but because the same thing would have happened with the Indians, and the same thing would have happened no matter what team. Like, they would have said that this person really led the team. They would have come out and they said this, they said that. Like, it, but it's it's good to hear that they take that veteran presence and the young kids are learning from them. So I do like that aspect of it, but it's just let let them enjoy the the win and like let them do it as a team. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, before we move on to Red Sox stuff, one other note thing that ha- obviously happened with the World Series is the World Series MVP. Um, ended up being Ben Zobrist. Lauren, do you agree with that? I I don't, but I see why he did get it, but I, I don't agree with it. Who would you Who would you have given it to? Grandpa. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> besides Grampy Rossi, who would you have given it to? Ah. Uh... I mean, it's so tough. You could have given it to, you give it to Russell, you could give it to Baez, you could give it, you know, Rizzo, Bryant. You could give it to the whole Cubs team. You can give it to Joe Madden. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, I mean, if if Chapman didn't blow the blow game seven, I would have given it to him. But because he because of how he pitched in game seven, I couldn't give it to him. I don't know. That that's a really tough toss up. See, I think that Zobers got it because of what he did at the end of that game. I really do. I think he just got oh, it. Because, yeah. He got it because of the heroics, but over the course of the series, I don't see why it wasn't Rizzo or Chris Bryant. One of those two, they went off. They were had, both had phenomenal series, and I think if you what MVP for the World Series is supposed to be, it's supposed to be that consistent player throughout. You know that's why David Ortiz won it in 2013. He just took that team and put them on their back, um, and Manny Ramirez and, and all these guys who've won World Series MVPs. It's you got to be the right guy. So look at Mike Lowell the year he won his World Series MVP. He just was dominant all, all those games. I don't yeah, think Zobers I mean, was. It's and I like I said I understand why he got it. It's because of what he did in Game Seven, which that's great. You get like I'm glad it was like it was him who pulled through and he got his team on top. And I get it, but like you said, it's the consistency that should have gotten that per- like a different person the MVP award. Yeah, I, I think that without, I mean, obviously, they definitely voted on the heroics. They definitely gave it to him for the heroics. Um, and it's kind of cool, too, because he did win the World Series last year, which is kind of funny um, how he ended up going from the Royals, who won last year, to the Cubs, who won this year. So good on him to choose the right team to go to. Um, yep. <laughs> because I thought that was funny. I didn't realize it. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. That's two ranks for him in two years. Like, this guy is getting used to being in the World Series. Um, interesting, though, Lauren. I don't know where this Cubs team, where this Indian team is going to go, but this Cubs team, um, looking at what who they're made up of, Chris Bryant, you have Russell, you have Rizzo, 
You have all these young guys. Um, you still have Lester. You're still probably going to have Lackey. I don't know about Hayward, but you still have all this. The young core bias. I'm just, I, these names keep rattling off my tongue. It's not a one-and-done situation for the Cubs. This team's a force. Um, and they, they, they are, I think they're the favorites going into next year. Like you said, this team's a force. And the fact that those people that you named, they're so young, aside from Hayward. But they're, they're so young. They still have so much developing to do. And they're so talented now. It's like, I hope that... My only concern is that these young guns peaked too early and they're going to ride off this and that they have the whole World Series hangover. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, like they're they're just so good. And there's the, the young talent they have is just insane. And I think it's only going to get better. I mean, look at Russell. I love Addison Russell. And I remember in the beginning of the season, I swear, like every other day it was Addison Russell hit a home run, hit a home run. And I was like, does this guy do anything but hit home runs? And he's oh, always just driving in RBIs. So I, I love Addison Russell. And, of course, I love Theo. So he knows what he obviously knows what he's doing with a team that struggles for many, many years. So I don't see the Cubs going away really anytime soon within the next, like, five years. They are the World Series favorites for next year, if I'm correct. I remember the odds came out. Red Sox-Cubs 2017. Oh, that would have been so much fun if it happened this year. I know, but... The, I think the ultimate time for it to happen would have been 2003, when they both had a chance. Cause that would have been crazy. 2003 was the um, Bartman year, right? And then Bartman and Boone happened the same year. So that would have been an epic World Series, because both teams were on a crash course to face each other in the World Series that year. And they both should, yep. have been, they should have faced each other in the World Series. So that would have been the epic year for it to happen. Both teams riddled with the history going at it for someone who's going to break a curse. That would have been fun. Um, I'm sure Theo Epstein's happy it didn't happen that way because he's now broken two curses. Um, yep, he sure has. So he's hands down the greatest manager, GM, like, of all time, correct? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. If not, it's pretty close to it. Year curse, and you break a hundred eight year curse. I mean, what's next? Like, who? I, there's probably teams lining up. Like, come here, help us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just what he did with that team is phenomenal. And now you look at the Cubs; they're set up for success. They're not going anywhere. Like you said, Lauren, probably for another five years with the youth they have. Um, it's nice to see David Ross go out on top as well. Um, a flip side, obviously, the Indians lost. But I don't really see them going anywhere either because they're going to get uh, Salazar and Carrasco 100% healthy back beginning of the year next year. They're going to come back. They're going to be another top team again, and they could be one of the favorites to play the Red Sox ALCS or anyone else and go to the World Series again just like they did this year. If they, as long as they stay healthy, they have a good young core. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with Tito on the bench, it's you know we know what he can do as well as a, as a manager. So I don't really see them going anywhere either. I hope they don't just kind of – implode i don't think i don't really see that happening because like you said you're they're gonna have salazar back who's 100 percent healthy and we all know what he can do when he's 100 percent healthy yep. so i definitely don't really see them going anywhere either they 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 proved a point this year and that that point is that terry francona is the greatest manager in the game and he's one of the greatest managers to ever step on foot on the diamond because what he did with that indians team a team that obviously they were good all year but what they should not have gotten past the Red Sox. I'm still set on that because the Red Sox were a better team on paper with the injuries and everything to the Indians. The Red Sox blew it. They shouldn't have gotten past the Red Sox. They shouldn't have gotten to the World Series, and they definitely shouldn't have almost won the World Series, they, and they should have won it. I think I think personally think they blew it. What he did with yeah. that team is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, we saw what he could do with the Red Sox, and now we're seeing what he's doing with the Indians, and 
he's just a special kind of manager. You know, you know, and I talk about John Farrell being a player's manager, and but and I I think Tito is too, but I also think he knows, you know, where to draw the line as opposed to Farrell not really knowing where that line lies, but. You know, Tito knows what's best for the team. He knows what's best for the players, the organization, and that that's clear, that clearly showed this year. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's has to hands down be considered one of the better managers, and obviously in the game, and, and I think of all time, I think he's going to hands down solidify. And obviously, wish he was still here, but he's clearly doing right something right in Cleveland. So um, we had a great World Series, Lauren. It's unfortunately the off season, very upsetting. Um, all. That World Series talk we just had was, of course, brought to you by um, our good friends at Audible. And uh, we definitely love having them on. It's, it's a great um, great partnership with Audible, and, and they're always fun to, to kind of go in and check out and read, and there's always good stuff there as well. So definitely check out Audible. Um, Lauren, there is some Red Sox stuff to talk about, and I think that um, we're able to do that with some other stuff going on. Um, Big stuff going on, little stuff going on. There's enough to talk about here. Um, but kind of want to start with the big one is Tori Lavulo. Um We knew this was going to happen. Kind of start coming. Um, but officially now, Tori Lavulo is the next manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Hazen takes him to Arizona after him get seeing signed there as the GM. Um, no shocker here, but Lavulo is officially no longer the Red Sox bench coach. It's really sad because, and I, I mean, I knew – Deep down, that it probably was going to happen. Oh, I think obvious. he's going to do. I think he's going to do great things in Arizona. Um, I don't. Do I see? Do I think he's going to turn the team around? No, I don't. But I think that they're going to get more than sixty-nine wins next season, and I think he's the guy to just kind of take control to get this team to turn around. Um, obviously, we know he kind of turned the Red Sox around when he, he took over for Farrell when he was out dealing with his with his cancer. So we know exactly what this guy can do i think he's going to do great things and i really hope arizona enjoys him yeah i think arizona will i think you, you know what kind of manager lavulo is by when all the red sox players talk about liking him and obviously again according to what carabas said um you know they were, thought they were shocked that he wasn't going to be the manager next year so you know he has an effect on the locker room you saw it in the clubhouse when Farrell wasn't there, and you saw what he did for a team that was out of it and got them to keep playing and things like that. So I think for a situation like Arizona, where they might not be the best team, but they have some young talent, I think he's a good fit there because you can get some good energy out of young talent who might not expect to be good. Um, he's going to pull something out of there. So sneaky, I think Arizona in a couple years with him at the helm could be a dangerous team. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, I don't, I think Lavulo is kind of a person too who's, not gonna take, not gonna take any BS, and he's not gonna. He saw the decisions that Farrell made, and he's not gonna make the same mistakes that Farrell has with in-game decisions. I think he's got a good grasp on what he wants to do with this team. Yeah, I think that obviously you have some talent there. Goldie being one, Paul Goldschmidt. I love Paul Goldschmidt. He's such a great first baseman. Um, I think Tori Lavulo is gonna be good for that team. But now, what does that hole leave here on the Red Sox staff? Because we know how much of a good bench coach he was obviously he's major in like um influencer in the decisions that john farrell made what does that do for the red sox it leaves a huge hole but it's funny we talked about this last week with you know jason veritek having a new role could we see him jump into this bench coach i think that's a possibility i saw that getting thrown around on twitter every now and then but i mean you can't replace somebody like lavulo because 
he knows exactly what to do, when to do it, and he was just the players really liked him here, so it leaves a huge void. It does, and th- and that's why he's you know you said it perfectly. He knows what to do at the right time. He knows how to make those decisions and how how a clubhouse ticks, and that's what makes him going to be probably make him a great manager wherever he decides to go. And that's Arizona now. So I, I think that those traits that he showed so well here, Lauren, I think is going to are going to make him what a good manager that he deserves to be out in Arizona. Yeah, no doubt, and I think, like I said, I think he's going to do great things out there, and I don't know, maybe uh, well. Maybe they'll meet in the, the playoffs one day. That'd be interesting. <laughs> that would be fun, long-term. Uh, who knows? That won't happen for a while, but who knows? Long-term, that'd be kind of fun. Um, I don't know what they're going to do when John Farrell retires now, or quote-unquote retires um, when he gets fired. I don't know who their backup's going to be, but um, definitely doesn't leave a safety blanket there. That's for sure. No, that safety blanket is long gone now. Which I'm scared of because I, I think for some reason – I said this last year, too, so I'm probably wrong, but I just don't think John Farrell's going to be there through the whole year of next year. Um, even though letting the Red Sox letting Lavulo get interviews and, and take a step forward like this shows does show to me that they're in Farrell's camp, for sure. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, it's hard to not... To, it's hard to justify firing a manager after 93 wins, and I understand why people are calling for his head, Obviously, I'm a huge advocate for Farrell. Everybody knows that at this point. But, you know, I think regardless that he did have 93 wins, went to the playoffs, I think that he is on the hot seat because, you know, of the in-game decisions he's made. And just, I don't I don't think the Red Sox, especially Dave Dombrowski, I don't think he's going to take anything less than what he thinks the fans deserve, which, I mean, I, I really enjoyed last season. I thought it was so fun, but... Of course, there were questionable in-game decisions that Farrell made. You know, Stephen Wright pinch running, which still haunts me. But it's it's just, I don't know. I, I think he'll be there the whole year unless they're like, drastically yeah, under 500. Yeah, I think, that, um, I think that it'd have to be a very big turning point negatively for him not to be here at this point. You saw him happen. They could have fired him multiple times. This this season they didn't, um, and there was opportunities to do that. You know, losing streaks going into the All Star break, they did not do well at all. Um, you know, there was multiple chances, Lauren, and they just didn't do it. So it's got to be pretty bad for them to probably fire him at this point, especially with Lavulo gone. Oh yeah, and I I know that there were chances for for them to let let him go, but that just goes to show how much faith that this organization has in him as a manager. Which is really really unfortunate, but. We won't go into it. Everyone knows how much I hate him at this point, so uh, we, we don't need to go into it. We're just I'm hoping the Red Sox win in spite of him. That's the goal. Um, one other news, big news, I guess you can call it big news. We're used to it at this point, but um, Clay Buckholz officially going to be a Red Sox next Red Sox next year. Um, Red Sox have picked up his option for 2017. I'm sure you all know about noticed that. Um, before we get to the other news, because Hannigan's no longer a Red Sox, we know that as well. And well, I do want to talk about that, Lauren, because I'm actually interesting to see about that decision. But are you really shocked by the Clay Buckholz at this point? Um, not really, because they've picked up his option before, and we know that you know the Red Sox love Clay Buckholz, and I know I'm excited. I know Jess is excited about this. Oh, he's probably through uh, the moon. Oh my God, he probably had uh, he probably had to sit in the rafters at the Garden of the Celtics game tonight because he's probably so high on emotions right now. We are we are so excited for this. So, and you know, it it could be 
a good thing. Maybe they want to use him as trade bait because he's proven to be, I shouldn't really say proven, but I mean, he's proven to come into big games where he's been used out of the bullpen. He's used as a starter. And I know last year he was really fluctuating between the two and it kind of messed with his confidence, but he did show parts of, of the season where he was really solid. So this could be used for trade bait or this could be used for like, let's get this guy on track. But either way, I'm excited that he's going to be starting opening day in a Red Sox uniform. The real trade bait is Jackie Bradley Jr. Let's be real there. He's the, he's the one being traded this offseason. If anyone big is being traded, um, and I'm okay with that. I'm completely no. okay with that. If you, I think Jackie, this is a whole other conversation. We can talk about this during the winter, but um, Jackie Bradley Jr. could get you Chris Sale at this point um, with other prospects, obviously. But I think he could lead a package at this point. The season he had, he could get you Chris Sale. If they really wanted to give up Chris Sale, that could happen. So keep an eye on that, and we'll talk about the winter meetings in a little bit because that could happen there. Um, Clay Buckholz, though. You obviously know my feelings on it by now. I'm not going to go – you all know I hate it. But – I'm not surprised because, especially Lauren, you know this. They, they always do this. They always pick up his option because he always has a good end of the year to justify doing so. Um, his beginning of the year sucks. He didn't get a DL stint this year, which is weird. But usually it's the DL stint, comes back, is healthy, he pitches well, enough to show them the worthy of picking up an option. Okay, they did it again. Only this time he didn't get hurt. Same exact story. But I actually, Lauren, I understand why they did it because – you don't. What you need pitching depth. You know he did so well. He he basically is a hybrid to either pitch in the rotation or in the bullpen if something happens. You know. So as much as I don't like the guy and I think he's very inconsistent, he's something you do need because right now what what are your other options? You know you're not going to get unless you get Chris Sale, and even then Clay Buckle still might be in your starting rotation. You never know. So as much as I hate it, it's probably a smart choice at this point. Yeah, and and you know he does want to be in Boston, so. You know, you pick up the option, you probably save a little bit of money too rather than signing him for one year, whatever, or a multi-year contract, which you probably would want from, from the Red Sox. So it's, I mean, I, I'm, of course, I'm ecstatic about it. I think it's, I, I saw it coming because it's what they always do, but I'm glad it's official and I'm glad that everyone's mad about it. Everyone's going to be mad about it except for you two. Um, I'm so excited. I wish so- Jess was here to celebrate with me. No, he can celebrate that the Celtics just lost a horrible game. Uh, um, the other news, though, Lauren, this one's kind of, I don't know if surprising to me, but Ryan Hannigan's no longer a Boston Red Sox. They declined to pick up his option. Um, does this show that they have faith in Christian Vasquez to be your starter? Um, are they keeping the other guy, who I can't even remember his name, because he didn't play well? Like, what, what's going to happen at catcher next year? Hannigan was a pretty solid option defensively behind the plate, and he caught Stephen Wright. Yeah, it's... He um he was a great option. He didn't have the best season last year, but he was like you said he caught for Stephen Wright. But we still and I'll, I said it last week. I've said it all season. We have a plethora of catchers. We have Swihart, Sandy Leon. We have obviously Vasquez. So I think it shows their their faith in one of those three to be the starter next year, whether that's Vasquez or whether that's Leon or Swihart. You know, I don't really know what's going to happen with Swihart playing the outfield last year if they're going to try to get rid of him because kind of like Buckles, they showed a, that he's very versatile. He started off as catcher, then they threw him in the outfield, and he played really well there until he slid into the wall and he had to have ankle surgery. And But that's still, he was on fire, he hit well, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of plate patience too, which was nice to see from a young guy. So I think it's going to be very interesting. I think that's probably like my number one thing to watch out for in the offseason is 
really or really in spring training, not so much the off season, but what they're going to do with catch, the starting catcher because Vasquez struggled last year, and you know it's hard to find a good offensive catcher unless you're the Cubs. So <laughs> it's going to be really interesting what's what's going to happen. But come opening day, I think Vasquez is going to be your starter. Not everyone can have Grandpa Rossi hitting a World Series home run at like 39 years old and a gray beard. Beautiful gray beard. He hit that ball, and I was just like, that's going out. That's just that's going out. That's just the way it's going to happen. Um, it was phenomenal to see. I love David Ross. Um, would it be the wrong decision? And I ask this because I am a Christian Vasquez guy. You know this, too. Um, to have Sandy Leone and Brian Holiday be the two catchers to start on your Major League roster next year. Oh, I forgot about Holiday. Wow. That's what I was saying. I looked it up because that was the guy I was talking I didn't remember his name. But he's still on the team, and he was your backup catcher. It was Sandy Leone and Brian Holiday down the stretch. They seemed comfortable with that. They like Sandy Leone. Does Vasquez start in AAA? Because Swihart's probably going to be up as an outfielder, even though Benatendi's there. Um, who knows what and, and the big question mark with all this, too, is if Jackie Bradley gets traded. That could fill, you know what I mean? Because if Jackie Bradley gets traded, Andrew Benatendi can move to left or right. Mookie Betts could move back to center. Either way, left field becomes another hole. Swihart could go back out there. He is eliminated from the catcher's spot. So that domino has to fall to, for some stuff to happen. But right now, as it plays out, Sandy Leone and Brian Holiday could be your two catchers. Is that is that a bad option? No, it's not It's not a bad option. We saw, obviously, what Leon can do at the plate. He came in clutch a lot of times. He had some big hits. And he calls a good game. But... I mean, Holiday. I, you know, obviously, I can just completely forgot about the guy. Holiday I don't sucks. think it's a, I don't think it's a horrible option, but I, I think you have way better options where you don't that's, need people, Holiday. That's the, and, people, that's the nice way of Lauren telling you he sucked. Yeah, you know, it's when you're gonna have Swihart who's gonna be healthy, and we you know I'm a huge Swihart fan. I claimed he was gonna make the All Star team last year, but I I think that he has so much more potential. You know, whether it's behind the plate or out in the outfield, I mean, I think they have so many, so much better options than than Holiday. I think it's you know, Vasquez, Leon, or Vasquez, Swihart. It's it's, it's really just going to be a duel till till opening day. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be a weird position to fill because I'm not big on the Sandy Leon trade. Obviously, he cooled off very quickly. Um, I think he's a good catcher though. Like I think he's good behind the plate. Um, and that's, you know, that I pride on defense first. Um, but I think Christian Vasquez when healthy, when right is, it needs to be your starting catcher. Um, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad. Take Brian Holiday out of the picture. I, I hope he's gone. He sucks. He's terrible. Um, I, I wouldn't be mad if Christian Vasquez and Sandy Leone platoon the position to begin the year and, and, and then figure out who is ride the hot hand. Cause, Cause I feel like Christian Vasquez probably isn't going to win the job outright right away. I don't think he will. But I don't think Sandy Leone is going to do anything to lose it. So maybe they platoon them and just ride a hot hand. That could be an option, too. Really, Again, it really depends on what they want to do with Swihart and what happens with Jackie Bradley. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It's going to be interesting spring training. So, I mean, I think, like I said, catcher is definitely my position to really look out for and see what they're going to do with it. Oh, that would make a good article for you to write. We should do that. Sure would. <laughs> Jess isn't here to say no to me? Okay, yeah, you should do that, Lord. You should write that. We do like to do, we did last year, we did, you know, like a positional right, like, kind of what to look out for. We did the people look out for. So I'm sure Jess has something up his sleeves. He always does. If they do that, call Catcher because that's a great article. Yeah, I could. I'm, I'm, I got dibs. You heard it here first. Je- Jess, Jess, it's on, it's on the recording. It's written. It's live. It's on the air. Lauren gets Catcher. 
This is proof. <laughs> Made sure of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a weird spot. And obviously Pablo Sandoval is thrown in there too. So there's a lot going on in the offseason. Um, and it's intriguing. And we'll obviously keep an eye on it. Um, but all of your Red Sox news is actually brought to you by our new friend at Omaha Steaks. Um, Omaha Steaks um, is great. You know, they, they deliver... Um, they deliver fresh meats, everything right to your door. Um, if you're struggling for uh, the perfect gift for someone who really does have it all, you, you, we all have those friends. We know we have those friends. Someone has it all. Um, holidays are coming. It's already in the beginning of November. Um, we're already shopping. If you haven't started, you're behind. Um, this is going to really help. You're going to help avoid the malls. You're going to help stay out of there. Um, I've used Omaha Steaks. I know Lauren has. I know Jess has as well. You get a lot of good stuff in these boxes. Good steak, good meatballs. Lauren, I'm Italian. And I loved their meatballs. That, that's hard to do, to get me to love some of the other meatballs. I am obsessed. I've been on this meatball kick for the last, like, three or four months. I've just been eating meatballs and rice for lunch, like, every day. <laughs> and so when I got the package and I opened it, it was meatballs, I was so excited. And they were so good. And the burgers were good. I love burgers. I mean, everything in there that I tried was good. I don't think we're out of it yet, which is, which is a good thing. Because I just moved and I need food to cook and food to eat. So... I'm, but those meatballs, like you said, Jared, to die for, they're so good. Yeah, it, it's delicious. And I can tell you now about Omaha Steaks and how for only forty nine ninety nine. Don't this is great. You can get a family gift pack when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code red or socks. Excuse me, it's S O X in the search bar, and that's seventy seven percent off. You heard that right. It's only fifty bucks to get all this prime meat. Um, you get straight experiences, the most flavor tender aged beef plus seafood, poultry, pork, via lamb. You heard it. Meatballs are phenomenal as well. Um, over five hundred gourmet gift ideas. One-of-a-kind flavor, convenient and quick shopping for those on your list, um, hand-trimmed vacuums. It's all great. It's all really good stuff delivered to your door. Um, and like I said, right now, it's Omaha Steaks is giving us an exclusive savings just to our listeners. You can listen to everything that you'll get for less than $50. It's two filet mignons, two top sirloins, three, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, 12-ounce package all-beef meatballs, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartels, one Omaha Steak seasoning packet, plus you get four additional kibasa sausages, all for free, with that forty nine ninety nine. Lord, I, I just listed off a mouthful of food for only fifty bucks. It's a, such a great deal. Oh, it really is, and you just made me so hungry when you were listing that off. But <laughs> you can't get a better deal than that. I mean, I'm I'm going to send it to my family for the holidays. They've been dying to try it since I just can't shut up about it. It's just like oh, it's great. Oh, every, like as soon as I started cooking, I'm like, this just smells good. I'm like, it tastes good. <laughs> I'm like texting it to my brother. He's like, all right, relax. <laughs> so right now, do it. It's great. I'm giving you a one-off on your list. You can send it to as many people as you want, and you'll get a huge discount. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code SOX in the search bar, S-O-X, add the family gift pack to your cart, and get 77% savings. It's the gift guaranteed to be hit this this holiday season, of course. Um Again, if you can please an Italian with their, your own meatballs, you're doing something right, and they've pleased me with their meatballs. So uh, check it out. Definitely go to do that and take care of that as well. Um, Lauren, around the, around the majors, real quick, um, before we get to what we can expect from winter meetings, because those are coming up, um, there are 5 million people at the Cubs World Series parade. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people, and I just I didn't get to watch – really any of the parade but just looking at the pictures it's just a sea of blue and I thought there was a lot of people at you know the Red Sox parade when I had gone in 07 and even then there was a lot of people and 
you think you hear like one million, two million, you're like, oh wow, like that has a lot of people. Then you hear five million, and then you got to think these people have waited so long. I mean, I don't want to say 108 years because I don't think any of those fans have waited 108 years to see the Cubs win a World Series. But you think of, I mean, how long in 04, when how long it felt to us, and how young we were, and it's I love seeing stuff like that just because you see how much baseball means to these people and how much the win meant for Chicago. And just, I just, I love seeing that. And I loved everything about that parade, everything that I've watched from it, all the pictures and everything was just great. You think they've been starving for a world series parade, Lauren, you, you gave the number five, it's 5 million people went to that Cubs parade. Guess what the number was for the Red Sox in 2004. Mind you, that was an 86 year curse. So there's some years to be made up there for the Cubs fans. Guess how many it people was- showed it was over a million, right? It was 3.2 million people. Wow. Which is a lot to fit into Boston, especially because Boston's a smaller city. Right. 3.2 million people in Boston. You put 5 million people in Chicago. That's wow. still a lot of people. Um, so you think it was a big deal here, and it was. I'm not taking I think the Red Sox, I, honestly, we can have this conversation too. The Red Sox was more impressive than the Cubs' World Series win, in my opinion, the 2004 World Series. Not taking anything from the Cubs, not trying to be Homer here. I know I'm a Red Sox fan, but I think with what they had, that team was stacked, um, and they overcame so much more because of the, the ALCS run they had, go being down 3-0 against the team that always has beaten them over the years and their rival and all this stuff, and then they go in and sweep the World Series against an overall favorite in the World Series. Just I think overall better story, better picture, better team, but that's still what, 1.8 more million people than the Red Sox were in? Yeah, it's, when you think, you know, obviously even a million people is a lot of people, and then you think, you know, 3.2, like you said, that's that's a lot of people, then 5 million people, that's just, that's a lot, that's a lot of humans in one place. Yeah, it really is, and I don't like people, I'm not a huge fan of people, um, which is really weird, because my full-time job's in sales, don't know how that happened, but, um, <laughs> To be around that many people at once, I went to the Celtics parade, and that wasn't a lot of people. I mean, compared to this, I went to the Celtics parade for 2008, and not as many people. And I was—I can't imagine being around that many people. Couldn't imagine it. Yeah, I'm not too much of a crowd person myself, but you know, when I went in 07, when I was at the parade, obviously there was a lot of people, but it maybe it was just because it was just being in the moment, just everyone around you just kind of seems like your friend, so maybe it didn't seem like that big of a deal to me but I mean five million people you just there's just people for days you just those pictures and you just see how far the people go I'm like oh boy like it just kind of gives me anxiety just looking at it mm-hmm. oh yeah I think that it's a it's way too many people for me but overall obviously they deserved it fans look like they had a good time so that being said did you see the one fan real quick did you see the one fan that, I forget what statue it was off in Chicago but they did like a huge trust fall it was a good yep. like, 10, 15 feet off the ground. They just they, they just trust. They were so on a high that day. Yep, I saw that. I actually saw that today. And I'm like, these people have a lot of trust in these strangers, like these 5 million strangers. And you're just falling right into them. But that's <laughs> the fun of it. And you just see how much fun they're having. And people could say it's stupid or whatever, but they're just having fun. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. It's so much fun. And all that crap happened with the Red Sox, too. So if you're a Red Sox fan, you can... Hold the horses there. You know what happened. <laughs> um, but before we get out of here, Lauren, um, winter meetings are happening. They start Monday, correct? Am I right? Yeah. Um, what do you expect from the winter meetings? Like, what do you expect from 
the Red Sox is a lot going on. Just is there going to be a lot of movement at the winter meetings this year? Or is this going to be a lot of behind the scenes stuff and that pans out after? You know, I'm I'm really torn about this because I can see Dave Dombrowski doing something huge, but you know, last year it wasn't something crazy. Like he didn't really do anything huge over the winter meetings. It kind of played out, you know, throughout spring training, throughout the trade deadline, and everything. But when he got Kimbrel before the season started and. I can kind of see him getting like kind of a Kimbrel name, like you, like a bigger name. You know, excited for him to be here. Um, I really hope he pulls something like crazy big, like a Jackie Bradley trade, bringing Chris Sale or bringing a starting pitcher, not necessarily Chris Sale, but you know, make a big move, shake up the team a little, not too too much because they don't need a whole lot. They do need starting pitching. They they need pitching. Period, which we know, but. You know, give the team a good shakeup, but don't take too much away from them. Yeah, and I got ahead of myself. The winter meetings don't start Monday. They start in a month. But that being said, um, come the beginning of December. You're just so excited. Yeah, I got really excited. Um, but in a, it's a lot of question marks to the Red Sox. You know, you have Pablo Sandoval. You have the, that situation. You have the starting pitching. You have the blockbuster trade that everyone wants to do in Chris Sale. You know, and it's still, it could potentially still be out there, um, especially now because – because you have to agree, Warren, being, you're able to trade Jackie Bradley a lot easier and for more now than you were a year ago because you kept him and let him play. That guy's an everyday player. That guy can play defense and, and plus hit well enough. He can, you could make a deal for Chris Sale surrounding Jackie Bradley with other prospects, say Benintendi or Mancata. If not both, I highly doubt they do both. But I'd be comfortable with the deal, seeing what Mancata is, seeing this. If you can do Jackie Bradley and Benintendi or Jackie Bradley and Mancata with some minor prospects for Chris Sale, you do that because you need that pitching um, and you can afford to get rid of one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Chris Sale, I wouldn't mind having him here. Of course, he's a big name, and the way that David Price pitched last year wasn't ace-like until, you know, towards the end he started showing a little more of it. Obviously, we want the same thing from Rick Porcello. If you think if we could have Price, Porcello, Sale, healthy Stephen Wright, um, you know, maybe Clay Buckles or Erod. Just, I mean, that just sounds like a pretty solid lineup right there. And I mean, it's you got to think they have to do something, especially after they saw the way, you know, the starting pitching didn't really come together. The bullpen didn't come together. And I know having Carson Smith back will help, but he's not the glue. He's not the answer. You know, they need more help in the bullpen and. I think trading somebody like JBJ and a prospect or two can bring someone like Chris Sale or another starting pitcher here. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're gonna. The, Dombrowski has his work cut out for him. So um, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the winter meetings a month. We'll obviously talk more leading up to that as we hear things. We'll obviously start hearing rumors and things like that. There's a lot to get to with this team. So we'll obviously get to all of it. We'll bring it to you. Um, like I said, every week starting from now, leading up to the pitchers and catchers and that those spring training the the birds blooming in the air and all that good stuff that spring brings us um we're gonna do half hour shows about this was a little longer but we have some stuff to talk about so that being said um all this show of course was brought to you by um blue apron blue apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone uh blue apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system setting the higher standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs huge impact on the households as well cooking together Build strong family bonds, of course. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Um, those who spend a lot eating out or at high-end grocery chains um, can actually spend under $10 now per person for a delicious meal. Um, 
I know the three of us use it. I know Jess isn't here, but I, I get it every week still. It, it's phenomenal how easy it is um, to really be able to kind of go step by step with the recipes, give you all the ingredients. I just go into my fridge. I have what I need. I pop it on. And I'm done. I'm eating. Yep. You can never go wrong. And still, I've never had a bad meal from them. So I'm loving it. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal, and for less, like I said, for less than ten dollars per meal, Blue Apron is delivering seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best with variety, flexibility, and a lot. Like I said, with ease of use as well. And now you can check out this week's menu, and like we've been doing forever now, we love them, and they're helping our listeners out. You get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com/slash-redsoxbeat. You type that right in the URL bar in your browser. Uh, you'll you'll ha- you'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait again. That's blueapron.com/slash-redsoxbeat. All one word. Blue Apron, of course, is a better way to cook, and we love having them on as a sponsor. Um, of course, don't forget you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Don't forget to look at the written coverage for the site as well. Now that it's off season, Jess's favorite time of the year. Um, we're gonna be churn- they're gonna be churning out stories, all the news that's happening, and we'll break it down every week here on the show as well as things come out. Um, until then, though, until next week, we'll be back uh, for Lauren Campbell. I am Jared Scally, and this has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Talk to you next week.